I'm reading three verses from the first chapter of Luke's Gospel tonight. In verse number 15, we have the angel's words about John the Baptist. The angel said to Zacharias, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Then I want you to look at verse number 41. Mary has just crossed the threshold of the door at the house of Elizabeth and Zacharias. She saluted Elizabeth. And he came to pass... That when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then in verse number 67, after Zacharias had been brought to a renewal of faith, And said his name's going to be John. The Bible says, And his father Zacharias, verse 67, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying. And then we have that prophecy and that word in the remaining verses of the chapter. Now, my wife tells me not to go back and re-preach all my other sermons when I come towards the end of a meeting. And so I'll not go back and deal with the other thoughts. Those most of you know, I've been using the threesomes, the trios. I'm calling them character clusters. Three people that seem to cling together in cluster form in the Scriptures. We started with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And last night, uh, we went up on the mountain with Moses, Aaron, and her, and others in the meeting. Tonight, I feel the Lord would have me preach for a few minutes on the God of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John. And the common thread that brings this trio together in this chapter is not just that they're family, but all three of them, it is said that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. As far as I can tell, this is the only family in the Bible that is a Spirit-filled family. Uh, We know the early church was a spirit-filled church. Stephen was a spirit-filled deacon. We could go on and on. But here is a spirit-filled family. It's a real challenge to us to live in the atmosphere of the Spirit in our homes. I want to go beyond the home picture tonight. I've been emphasizing... That the God of these different people is our God. And tonight I want to emphasize that the God of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John 
is the God of our fullness. The God of our fullness. So I want to say a few things, God helping me, about the Spirit-filled life. As illustrated here in Luke chapter 1. Throughout the day, God has run different saints across the stage of my mind from my old home church. I think one of the greatest privileges that I ever had in life is the church family that I was brought up around. If there's one blessing that supersedes that, of course our salvation we know is at the top of the list, but if there's any other blessing that supersedes the church family, it would be that God in His providence let me stay with my grandmother every night from the third grade all the way through my first year of college. She was an invalid crippling arthritis, had left her maimed and uh, hardly able to do anything. And somehow in God's good pleasure, I was the grandchild chosen to stay with her at night. And oh boy, I tell you, there's not a day goes by that I don't have some kind of flashback to those nights with my memo. Mamma had a one of those old timey laps that went down below her knees, and uh, she had been a pretty good sized woman, but she lost down later on. But still had that lap, and uh, I remember sitting in that soft lap of my grandmother's, and uh, then sleeping in the same bed with her. Son, she could keep a boy warm, I want to tell you that. <laughs> and many other wonderful blessings. That, that's probably at the top of my list of my gratitude for being able to be with her all those different nights. But another great blessing is being around some believers that I believe who, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They prayed in the Holy Ghost. They testified in the Holy Ghost. And uh, they sang in the Spirit. And uh, that was to my benefit. That was to my my advantage. To be around there. I didn't know all all that was going on. I I wasn't aware of why brother so-and-so always cried when he got up to testify. I wasn't aware... Why sister so-and-so always felt like she had to shout a little bit at least a couple of times a month. I didn't understand all that, but I sure am glad I was around it. Because I understand a little bit of it now. And I feel like sometimes the Lord wants me to talk about being filled with the Spirit. And here in this chapter we have this threesome, this trio... This little family, priestly family, I might say, uh, of the tribe of Levi, and all of them filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, my burden, of course, as we look at this, is to remind us that God wants to fill us. And we desperately need to be filled. 
nominal Christianity will not, uh, will not survive in our day. We need spirit-filled people. And here we have examples of those who had come through the silent years, we call them. They'd come through some of the persecution that preceded John's birth. And yet they came through it filled with the Holy Ghost. And when we read about them, the Holy Spirit Himself says, I want to tell you that this family was filled with me. And so we have these verses. Now I want to talk about Zacharias first. He actually... His being filled is mentioned lastly. I want to use Him first. And I want to say the Spirit-filled life must be viewed, number one, in relationship to our trust. God does not fill men, women, boys, and girls who are full of unbelief. So I say, oh, I'm not, I don't have anything to do with unbelief. I'm a believer now. Oh, dear friend, that doesn't mean you... You, you don't have times of unbelief. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. In fact, I've tried to define faith. Some of those simple terms are very difficult to define for me. And I've tried to define faith and felt somewhat exasperated. But I came to the biblical definition of unbelief. In the book of Hebrews, we're told... Uh, to be cautious about an evil heart of unbelief. And then it says, in departing from the living God. Right. Unbelief is moving away from the living God. Yeah. Faith then must be movement toward yeah. the living God. Yeah. And uh, uh, here we have an example of a man who had problems in his faith life. You find this, what I'm calling the conflict of his faith in verse number 18. Uh, the angel had appeared to him uh, there by the altar of incense and, and told him that John was going to be born. Yeah. And verse 18 says, Zacharias referred to the angel, responded to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. He, in other words, I, I can't believe it. You're going to have to give me some kind of sign uh, for, for me to believe. And the angel said, verse 19, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. You wanted a sign. Here's your sign. Behold, thou shalt be dumb or speechless and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Here we see Zacharias' conflict in the faith life. He doubted the revelation. He doubted the word from God. And doubt will lock you down, brother. He couldn't say anything for nine months. 
He just had to go around and give him signs and sounds. He couldn't speak any words. And then he got the writing on a tablet to tell him what he wanted. Because he couldn't speak. So I said, well, I'd like to witness for the Lord, but it seems like I just can't ever get it. Unbelief will shut you up. Uh, And the only... uh, So I said, well, I'd love to be filled with the Spirit. Well, according to Zechariah's experience, you can't be filled when you're filled with unbelief. You're going to have to have the unbelief poured out of you and emptied out of you for the Spirit of faith to fill you up. And so we see the conflict of his faith, his battle with unbelief. I really believe, I don't care what level we're on spiritually, I really believe, I'm convinced in my soul that the battle is not people. The real issue is not circumstances. The real issue is not uh, my lack of understanding. The issue is my unbelief. If I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's because of my old unbelief. Notice furthermore, not only the conflict of his faith, but the confession of his faith. Nine months went by, and in verse number 63, the baby has been born and all the relatives and neighbors are trying to name the child Zacharias Jr. or Zacharias Third. And Elizabeth said, no, you're not going to name the baby. That his name shall be called John. And they said, well, we'll go ask his dad. We don't know anybody named John. Your daddy wasn't a John. His daddy wasn't a John. Where you get such a name? John. And she said, well, uh, that's his name. And they said, we're going to ask Zacharias. And they made signs to his father. What wasn't he couldn't hear. But, uh, he couldn't talk, but they made signs to him. And said, uh, how would you want him called? And Zacharias asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote on the tablet, his name is John. I can't prove that he was saying this. I can't make his words say what they don't say. But she said, his name shall be called John. Elizabeth did. Zechariah said, his name is John. And has been for nine months. (laughs) Now he's coming to faith, a renewal of faith. And he believed God. <laughs> took him, took him nine months of silence to get to this point. But he believes God now, and he says his name's going to be John, or at least wrote it. And his mouth was opened, his tongue loose, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on people. And verse sixty-seven says, "And his and Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost." And so, uh, actually what we have here is the confession of his faith. I don't understand all I want to understand about being filled with the Spirit. But I believe it involves our trust. It's in relationship to our trust, our faith. And then the remaining verses of chapter 1 show the cooperation of his faith. 
He, he begins to give a prophecy. Here's a man hadn't said anything for nine months. And now his faith is bubbling up in him so much. He's got to give this, this prophecy about the future. He talked about Christ as the day spring from on high. And he said he's going to give light to them that sit in darkness. Yeah. Uh, he, he set free when he's filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And faith cooperates with what the Holy Ghost wants to save through him. Oh, I say the Spirit-filled life must be viewed in relationship to our trust. Could I ask you, are you trusting Him tonight? Do you have a faith that's beyond the faith that saves? Saving faith. Faith that cooperates with the Holy Ghost. Faith that says yes to God's plan and bows to God's purpose. Then we must remember not only was Zacharias filled with the Holy Ghost, but Elizabeth, his wife, was filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at chapter 1, verse 41. Mary has come to visit Elizabeth. She's already conceived by the Holy Ghost. And the body of Jesus is developing in her body. And uh, she came to visit Elizabeth after the angel had told her, and thy cousin Elizabeth, she's also conceived a son. Yes. So Mary, Mary said, I want to go see my cousin. And when she came, she saluted Elizabeth as she came through the... Uh, through the door, and Jesus being in the room, in the body of Mary, was such a, a an explosive experience that that the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Amen. John the Baptist just just leaped inside his mama's womb yeah. when Jesus came in. In the body of Mary. It wasn't Mary that caused him to leap. Is the presence of Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary that caused John to leap. By the way, if you've got anything to leap over, it ought to be because of His presence and His manifestation of grace along the way. I'm glad I've been around a few saints in my life that got the holy leaps. And uh, some of them got, got to run in a little bit. And I've joined them a few times. Yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, uh, it, it's, we see Elizabeth now filled with the Spirit. And she began to testify with a loud voice. Better watch those Spirit-filled people. They get a little loud every now and then. Want to testify for Him. And honor Him. So I would mention secondly, we under, uh, knowing the God of our fullness, we understand the Spirit-filled life is not only viewed in relationship to our trust, that's the life of Zacharias, but it's to be viewed in relationship to our testimony. Being filled with the Spirit affects our testimony. Now, there's some folks that sit around and try to conjure up what they can say. 
But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to conjure up something to say. You don't have to concoct some kind of little witness. But the Spirit of God flows through you. I'm not talking about something wild and uh, totally out of control. I'm talking about the Spirit of God doing a sovereign work in His people and showing Christ through us and our testimony. Now, there's two or three things I want to mention about Elizabeth's testimony. First of all, uh, it, it, came, it came in the form of celebration. The babe leaped in her womb. Elizabeth, at that moment, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice. In our day, she may have said, Pastor... I feel like I'm going to die if I don't give a word of testimony. I feel like I'm going to have to just say something for the Lord. It was spontaneous. It wasn't planned. She, She didn't practice it. It was something that the Spirit of God brought about in her. A moment of celebration. As the babe leaps, she speaks. And she speaks loudly in the name of the Lord. And she does, uh, in, in verse 43 for instance, she indicates she's grateful. She said, and whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. She's getting revelation herself, isn't she? She's seeing some things herself. And so there's celebration going on. A testimony should not be without life and blessedness. And we see this in her testimony. She's filled with the Spirit, and her testimony comes across in celebration. Notice, furthermore, her testimony also has uh, is, uh, is one of the ingredients of it is that of comfort. Uh, you've heard testimonies that just... Oh, Lord, they just kept dragging the surface down and down and down. Uh, You feel like saying to them, All right, brother, God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. Now let's sing what a friend we have in Jesus. Or something, you know, because the testimony doesn't comfort. It doesn't seem to help or minister It seems to pull down. seems to depress. It seems to uh, suppress the work of the Spirit. Uh, Hey, when the Holy Ghost is working through a testimony, there will be comfort. Uh, There will be a ministry that that is of God. She said to Mary, Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. For whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. This must have been comforting to Mary. Everything that's going on in and me, as she must have said, is of God. Listen to what Elizabeth is saying. She's confirming 
the work of God in me and comforting me gently and tenderly. She speaks of this visit as being of God. Blessed is she that believe, for there shall be a performance of those things which are told her from the Lord. This testimony not only came with celebration, and it not only came with comfort and gentleness, a soothing encouragement, but it came with confidence. She said, there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Well, this sort of goes along with the emphasis on Zacharias, doesn't it? If Zacharias could not be filled with the Spirit in unbelief, then when we are filled with the Spirit, our testimony will feed and encourage faith because faith is operating in us. And certainly what Mary said. I just had a testimony meeting. Elizabeth gave hers. And then Mary said, verse 46, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And she begins to praise God for what He's done in her and what He's doing according to His purpose and plan in Israel. There was confidence encouraged. Oh, One of my constant prayers is, Lord, help me in my preaching to feed faith and encourage faith. There's there's enough going on to discourage faith and to squelch faith. I want to encourage it. I want to fan it. I want you to see a God that's big enough to handle your situation. I, I want the people to see a Christ whose work on the cross was not in vain. He saved sinners. I want want my hearers to to know a Holy Spirit who is still the Comforter from heaven and who is here doing His office work in the world. I say then the Spirit-filled life must be viewed in relationship to our trust as Zacharias. And the Spirit-filled life must be viewed in relationship to our testimony. We see how it affected the testimony of Elizabeth. Now for a few minutes, and I would take longer if I knew more to say about it. It's a mystery. John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit while he was in his mother's womb. It just blows all my theology to pieces. He's He's not even been saved yet. And he's filled with the Holy Ghost. Tom, what are you going to do with that? I tell you what I'm going to do to it. I'm going to bow to it. It's the Word of God. It's the truth of God. And, and so John had this great job to do. He was to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. He was the forerunner. And so I want to say thirdly, the Spirit-filled life is not only to be viewed in relationship to our trust, as seen in the, in the fact that Zacharias was filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit-filled life must not only be viewed in relationship to our testimony, which was manifest when Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. 
But thirdly, the Spirit-filled life must be viewed in relationship to our task as set forth in the ministry of John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit never fills us just to make us feel good. Yes, you will feel a, a new triumph of faith. You will experience a new level of love where the Spirit of God is working and when He has filled you. But the big, the big issue is not how I feel or how you feel. It's God getting His work done through you. God getting His job done through me. And so, uh, if you're going to be filled with the Spirit, God has to empty out all your unbelief. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you'll have a living testimony. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit, you'll be prepared to do what God put you in this world to do. Notice a couple of things about John's task. First of all, we're told in verse number, uh, chapter 1, verse number 15, that his task was a task that would involve purity. The Bible says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. That's an unusual statement in itself. Many people want to be great, but they want to be great in the sight of people. John was going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And you remember even Jesus said about John, Jesus said there's not a man born of woman greater than he. He was great in the sight of the Lord. Here's his purity. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now, there are many who pursue holiness on their own. And I admire people who would pursue holiness on their own according to the law. I, I I would not be critical of them. However... I've lived with myself long enough to know that I can never measure up to God's holy law. And I can never be pure in my own strength. Good night, some of the things that can cross our minds. Some of the things that that Satan would throw in front of us and say, Oh, why don't you try that? And you know, when I first started out serving the Lord, I thought, praise God, I've burned all those bridges behind me. I'll not have to worry about any of that anymore. But you move out there a little further, and the devil throws it at you in another form. Ah, in ourselves, we're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We must have the fullness of the Spirit if we want to be pure in our lives, if our affections are pure, if our motives are pure, if our service is pure, we must have the pure Spirit filling our lives and causing there to be purity. 
fact, if there's anything pure about any of us here tonight, it's because of the Spirit of Jesus who lives inside us. It's not because of us. Somebody said, oh, I'm trying to be more holy. I'm trying. Well, have at it. But you're looking at one preacher, mountain preacher boy. I've already had it. And I know it's not in me. There's no good thing in me. And how to perform that which is good, I find not. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. And then all of Romans chapter 8. All the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of adoption. He's the Spirit of intercession. He's the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I tell you, if there's any purity about us, it's because of the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. You ever thought about this? He's not just the Holy Spirit. Let's reverse it. He's the Spirit of holiness. He's the Holy Spirit. Ah, but He's the Spirit of holiness. Then must I, let me emphasize furthermore, John's task not only involved purity, he was to keep himself from wine and strong drink and many other things according to the Nazarite vow. But furthermore, his task involved a need for power. He was coming against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Here he comes out of the wilderness dressed in a a garment made out of camel hide and eating wild locusts and honey. Don't you know he was a sight to behold? But oh, brother, there was more dripping off of him than wild locusts and honey. The power of God was on this man. And according to this verse, the Bible says he shall go before him, that is before the Messiah Christ, in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Ah, he had to have power. And I want to tell you, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And when we're filled with the blessed Holy Spirit, the power of God works through us to do what we cannot do in our own energy. Much is said in our day about building great works for God and doing great things for God. I want to tell you, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and let God do great things through us. Not us attempting just great things for God. One other word I want to give that I believe is something we need to understand afresh. We're no match for the demand of purity. We're no match for the need of power. We must have the fullness of the Spirit. 
But John's task involved people. Look at that last phrase in verse 17. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's business was not only to prepare the way, but to be used of God to prepare the people. He's preparing the people for Him, preparing the way for Him. It involved people. Now, I, I was taking a walk sometime back early in the morning going through Saluda, my, the big metropolis where I live, North Carolina, population about 600, when all the Florida folks are up. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to sound negative there, you know, but uh, we have to sort of surrender to that element. At certain times of the year. I mean on the road that is. I have to be filled with the Spirit to keep from laying down on my horn all the time. Because they don't just drive through. They stop. Right in the road. But that morning I went through town and the coat man was there. You know, these, some of these fellas get out early. It's about 6.30 and he is there working. He had all the door open and he was working on that big Coke machine. Some of the boys over the weekend had shaken it and rocked it and got everything messed up. And uh, he recognized me. I didn't recognize him, but he recognized me. And as I saw what he was doing, I said, you got a mess there, don't you? He said, preacher... He said, you and me both would have it made if it wasn't for people. (laughs) I said, well, I tell you, I'll be honest with you, I'd be out of business if it wasn't for people. (laughs) But isn't it true? About the time you think, "Woo, I'm ready to fly away to heaven. Then you bump into your boss on the other side of the plant. Or you bump into your neighbor. Oh, can't they be a blessing? (laughs) Or uh, somebody in your family says something sideways. Before you know it, you're out of sorts. Because of people. People. And, you know, I wish there's all loving like you and me. (laughs) But the fact is... A lot of people sour in our society. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you caught that. The truth is we all need to be baptized in the love of Jesus. And the only one who can fill us with this great love is the blessed Holy Ghost. And He can help us put up with people. And overcome people. And outlove people. And pray beyond people. And minister to people. The Holy Ghost is a people person. And He works through people like you and me. To touch other people. I'm talking to you about the God of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John. He's the God of our fullness. Oh, to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. You know, the New Testament church was lacking under drunk people because they were filled with the Spirit. 
They said, these men are made drinking new wine. It's too early. They, they must be drinking wine already. They thought they was drunk. And the disciples said, drunk, but not as ye suppose. They were intoxicated with the Spirit. Divinely intoxicated, filled with the Holy Ghost. When I was a teenage boy and God had brought me face to face with my sin and my need of Jesus, I began to pant after God. I believe God filled me with the Holy Ghost the first time when I was 16 years of age. Boy, there were some of us panting after God. We were going up on a mountaintop praying almost Every night of the week, every night we were free to go. We would, we would gather up there and pray. And sometimes some of the pastors would go with us. Brother Raymond Geis, who's now retired, up in his 80s. What a godly man he's been. And Brother Raymond, he went with us that night. And boy, we were divinely intoxicated. We came off that mountain praising God and rejoicing in the God of our salvation. And somebody had called the town cop. <laughs> Old George met us down at the bottom of the hill. At the city cemetery. Had his blue light going. Guess he had his one bullet ready to go. Yeah. Mayberry. <laughs> Salute of Mayberry. But... Uh, he said to us when we got down there, he said, they told me, they told me there's a bunch of drunks out here and I come to check on you, but he said, I see now who you are. And old brother Raymond, he's got a high-pitched voice, especially when he'd get all uh, fired up. And with that, that high-pitched voice, he said to old George, who didn't know anything about the Bible, he said, drunk, what now does she suppose? <laughs> Son, here we went again. <laughs> Praising God and rejoicing in the Lord. I'm talking about being dominated by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Divinely intoxicated yeah. that we might properly and effectively yeah. get the task done that God's put us in this world. Yeah. You interested in that? Oh, I am. You've been so kind. Would you stand with me, please? Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed.